You are listening to episode 33 of The Lewis and Kyle Show with Jacob McMillan. The number one reason people fail is because they don't embrace that they're their own sales department. That's, that's the number one thing. Like literally every single business is two parts, sales and fulfillment. When you're a writer, if you're a decent writer, the fulfillment comes pretty easy, but you still have to hit that sales one. Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I share tools for success in entrepreneurship, investing, self-education, and fitness through interviews with inspiring mentors. In this episode, we talk to Jacob McMillan. Jacob McMillan is a freelance copywriter who creates educational content, online courses, and a community related to succeeding as a freelance copywriter in different industries and at different skill levels, beginner, intermediate, and advanced. He has a podcast where he shares 10-minute clips about how to become a better copywriter, and he also maintains a community of some of the best copywriters on the internet. We brought him on to discuss his journey going from zero to $15,000 a month as a copywriter, as a freelancer, and we get into some tips on should you learn copywriting, if so, how, and what makes a good copywriter, what makes a bad copywriter. Fun conversation, really educational, very high impact, and I hope you all enjoy it. Well, guys, we got... Jacob here with us, super excited to chat with him about copywriting and his freelancing career and some of the insights he has about those things. Uh, Jacob, so, thanks so much for coming on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always fun to chat about, you know, writing, freelancing, online business, it's fun stuff. Yeah, so I got, uh, I got lost in the internet again, as I do, searching for brilliant keywords like how to make money online, how to make money writing, uh, as if this podcast hasn't given me enough ideas to actually think about, but I was <laughs> on one of those searches again led me to the, again, reminded me the idea of freelance copywriting, copywriting, so I searched for on those things, how to make money, freelance copywriting, copywriter, and all of them were starting to bring me back to your site, so I figured you had to know what you're talking about if you had that kind of authority. So got really into your content and wanted to speak with you, so it's exciting for us. Uh, real quick for the listeners, a lot of people, even in business, don't necessarily know what you're talking about when you talk about copywriting in the sense of writing. Can you, can you define it for us? Yeah, so copywriting is really just uh, writing kind of with a sales focus. It's writing intended to drive action, writing intended to introduce someone, you know, to a company or a specific offer, you know, that's, that's trying to sell something at some point. So I kind of, the, the, the phraseology I use when someone hasn't heard of copywriting is just sales writing, you know, really that simple. So what are some things you'd write as like a copywriter? I know you break it down on your website into three main categories for, for freelancers. Yeah, the, the bulk of what I do is going to be website copy. So, you know, anytime you go to a website, the wording that you're reading there that's introducing you to the brand, introducing you to the offer, the mission statement, the individual product, products or services, it's all, that's all copywriting. Email, email copywriting is another big one. Anytime you get an email from a brand or individual you follow, you know, the writing you're reading falls under that copywriting umbrella. Uh, and then the other big one, it's a little, this one's a little bit different because it tends to be a little bit more indirect. Uh, but blog writing is a form of copywriting that's kind of more specifically referred to as, you know, content or content writing, but it kind of falls under that umbrella that ultimately when brands create these blog posts, they're, they're ultimately trying to get someone uh, to engage with their brand, you know, in, in some way, shape or form. So how did you get into copywriting? How did you fall into this world that you're now so entrenched in? Yeah, so I actually paid my way through college doing direct sales. And I, I kind of hated sales. Uh, I was really good at it, but I hated it. It was like I, I hated the process of getting in a conversation with someone where, you know, 
how I felt about them at the end of the conversation was based on whether or not they purchased, you know, it's just kind of, and I couldn't really hack my emotions to not feel that way. So it's just kind of a, a, just an emotionally debilitating process to go through direct sales, but I was good at it. You know, it served its purpose. But then after college, I was like, I'm not doing that. And I'd started exploring, you know, the online business world, particularly SEO. And through that, I started to kind of, you know, I, I found out what, you know, I, someone came to me and asked for copywriting and I was like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, so they explained it and I kind of started to look into it and I was like, this is like everything I loved about sales minus everything I hated about sales. And at that point, I, I kind of knew pretty quickly that this is what I wanted to do long term. So it's a little bit more scalable too, right? Like with direct sales, you have to be in front of the person selling to them directly, but with copywriting, you can just put it out there in the world and it'll sell for you 24 seven. Yep, exactly. It's a, a very, you know, high, high reward to investment ratio relative to, you know, other things that you can do for sure. So can you tell us a bit about, I mean, how you got, like what was like going, becoming successful at it? So you kind of identified as something you wanted to do, but how do you actually begin to support yourself doing it? Yeah. So, I mean, at first I was just kind of exploring what it was and kind of under, you know, getting, getting to develop uh, persuasive writing skills. Cause really all copywriting is, is it's persuasive writing structured in specific ways. So, you know, just learning, you know, how to generally, generally improve my persuasive writing and then more specifically how to get good at specific types of copywriting. You know, I, I just, from, you know, one project I'm working on, I just went through and wrote video scripts for the first time. And so I, you know, I'm pulling on eight years of copywriting experience, but I'm not pulling on that, you know, when you're kind of attacking a new structure, it's a, it's a little bit of a different skill set. Uh, so you kind of have to, you know, you have to learn the basics and then learn the specific structures that you're going to work in. So for me, it kind of started with more just the website copywriting and the blog writing. And so I just, you know, practicing those a little bit of reading about stuff, but then just, you know, actually practicing it. And then what I did is I kind of stumbled across the demand for it, which is how I became aware uh, that this was something people were offering. So I just followed the trail of demand. I just kept looking for people who are trying to hire out for this stuff. And I used paid gigs to go practice it. You know, whereas, you know, a lot of people today, when they first get in, they think they need to go through this extensive process of getting really good at it before they can go hire it out. But that's just not the reality because, you know, not, even people who are hiring copywriting today, it's on a, on a spectrum. You know, there's people hiring $50 budget all the way up to a $50,000 budget. So, you know, those $50, $200 budgets, they're asking for people who are wanting to practice their writing, you know, because no one who can charge five grand is going to take that project. They still need a writer. So that's kind of, you know, just kind of followed the demand and, and, would try to sell myself and then, you know, work my ass off to do as good a job as I could and get better along the way. That's a really cool progression. I didn't think about that. It makes a lot of sense where, you know, a lot of books preach that idea, but don't give any practical idea of how you would actually do that. Where you say, you know, it's a good idea to get paid to learn, but you can kind of graduate from lower paying gigs up until the actual kind of gigs that can sustain yourself. If you follow that route, I think you use the terminology in like one of your eBooks if anyone's willing to flash a $20 bill at you and you're just getting started, like just go for it. Yeah, and exactly. Really like that messaging. Yeah. You really don't want to be rate chasing in your early years. You know, you want to be focusing on what's going to maximize my skills development. Cause if you can, you know, if you can get a lot more practice in and a lot more real experience under your belt, that pays back to you tenfold over, you know, the, any dollar amount that you're going to make in your first year or two. 
So when, when you're pitching someone, like, are you just using your conversion numbers from previous jobs in order to like prove to somebody, like, like what metric are you using to, to know that you're getting better while practicing? So that's actually a really good question that's virtually unanswerable when it comes to copywriting, partially because it's a subjective skill, you know, but also because very few of the clients you're going to work with are actually testing at a statistically significant level, if at all. So for example, you know, you could, you could write a piece of copy for a specific audience, you know, show it to me, show it to the most famous successful copywriter you've ever heard of you know, ask for our opinions. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be an educated guess until you actually put it in front of the audience and test it at a high enough, you know, level to really be able to get a good conversion statistic on it. You don't really know how good that copy is. And the reality is that a lot of the projects that I've worked on that many copywriters work on don't ever actually get put in front of a, you know, a large sample size audience. You know, like if we're talking about, you know, me writing copy for like, a consulting firm, you know, I, I wrote one for like a, a B2B consulting firm that's focused on organizational health. You know, what's their website being used as part of? They're making an initial in-person contact with someone, then directing them over to their site. And the site's more of just a supplemental, you know, continuing the conversation that they've had in person. Ultimately, how well the site performs is going to have more to do with their in-person conversation than the copy I wrote. My copy is designed more just to enhance this in-person sales process that they have. Uh, and there's really no way to evaluate from a, a purely objective level how well it's performing. So what it ends up coming down to is, do they like it? You know, does the client like it? Do they feel like it's doing a good job of saying what they want to say? And that's why you know, that's why it's so accessible to get into this field is because a lot of these projects you're working on, that's really the only metric is does the client like it? Are you able to do a better job than the client themselves could of communicating this offer? And most people are just not comfortable translating their thoughts into succinct words, you know, succinct written words. So if you can sit down with a business owner for 30 minutes, listen to them like passionately talk about their business and then like translate that into written words, you can be a copywriter who's delivering very tangible value to these businesses. And that's not, you know, that's something that, you know, maybe takes a little bit of practice, but it's not a significantly difficult skill set to kind of get into initially. You know, if you're just comfortable taking thoughts and turning them into written words, you know, you're, you have a pretty strong foundation to go off of from, from, the, from the very get-go. That's super interesting. And I, I know you're framing that in terms of, if you're thinking about getting into this, a lot of people have been thinking about getting into this and you kind of have been projecting in some of your podcast episodes that you think that's only going to continue because people are getting displaced from work. A lot of people say, well, I know how to write. Maybe I can get into writing. Uh, and your response is that the demand for copywriters is literally endless. How, how do you justify something like that? Yeah. So for starters, um, when we talk about online, online sales, nearly every online sale is has copywriting included at some point in that sale taking place? Virtually every single one. Uh, so when we talk about e-commerce sales, 2010, 170 billion. 2020, we're projected to hit 1.2 trillion. That's 600% growth in 10 years. So when you talk about a market that's exploded that much, the dem like the supply of writers isn't even close to keeping up with that 600%, you know, 
demand explosion. So it's, it's a very simple economics model right now of, you know, the demand being drastically higher than the supply. Uh, and that's why I have students literally hopping in. I got an email from a student the other, the other week who they were doing their, they were doing their homework for the third assignment in my course. And just, and by doing the homework, which is actually involves them going out and doing real business growth stuff, they landed a $14,000 gig for their very first client. You know, like it's just stupid right now. Like it's literally the demand is so high and the supply is so low relative to that, that it's just, it's like, in some ways it's just like free money. And it's kind of like, I kind of equate it to back in the California gold rush, you know, who actually made the most money from that? It wasn't the prospectors, you know, it was the people selling the shovels and the supplies, you know, you want to be the one selling shovels in a gold rush. And that is literally what copywriting is, you know, out of all the business models you can look at, you know, you got Amazon FBA, you got, you know, drop shipping, you got affiliate marketing, you got all these things, you know, advertising all these different really effective ways to make money online, but they all work through copywriting. Like literally none of them are functional without some level of copywriting. So, so copywriting isn't necessarily the only or the most lucrative thing you can do, but it's the most reliable by far because you know, anyone making money online is, is needing copywriting to power that it's the shovel powering that dig. So that's, that's why I make that claim of it being, you know, bottomless, bottomless demand and really accessible, really reliable, because it's just kind of, it's a very high reward, low risk business model. So let me ask you, uh, how does it make you feel when you make, uh, or when you land a client that is bringing you 14 grand versus when one of your students comes to you and says, Hey, like, I can't, like, this has changed in my life. Like, how does, what, what's the difference in the way that you think about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been doing this for, for eight years now. So when I, when I land a client, it's at this point, it's not really a surprise. I did, I did a case study last April off of a Twitter challenge where I sent out 10 pitches and had a five grand paycheck in my account in 48 hours, like on a dare, you know? So just like going out and generating income is pretty run of the mill for me at this stage with my students. I just put my course out back in March. Uh, So it's still a new experience for me when I get these emails from students who are you know, crushing it and changing their lives. And it's especially, you said, I would say at this point, it's, it's a lot more satisfying. I just also based on my personality type, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the Enneagram at all, but I'm an Enneagram eight, which is very, it's called the challenger. So I like challenging people to go after what they want in life. And when I see them do that and then reap the rewards of that, it's hugely satisfying. It's a big part of why I scaled down some of my freelance work to create my course and do this side of the business in the first place. So yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's definitely a huge uh, emotional high to get those emails from people, especially when, you know, I have, I have the, the core side, but then I have the right mind side too, where I'm more, uh, that's my, my premium membership for intermediate and advanced writers. And I'm interacting with those people on a day-to-day basis. So I'm like, I'm like right in the trenches with them on the challenges they're facing. So when they come back to me and they're like, Hey, you know, I just, got paid a thousand bucks to write for this website that you told me to pitch, you know, it's just like, that's just, it's just super exciting. You know, Can you walk us back on, on that journey. So like you said, you had kind of gotten pretty good at this. You could off a dare land clients overnight if you needed to. And you kind of speaking of challenges said you framed it for yourself as a challenge where could you t- spend 12 months and create the best copywriting training anywhere? What was uh, the inspiration for framing it in such a unique way? And how's that been going? Cause are you still, about 12 months have passed or now you're in the evaluation phase of that project? 
July was the 12th month. So August is the 13th month and it was, it was a pretty big success. So I'm continuing forward with that for sure. For me, it was a situation where I had helped a client over the previous year rank across the board for all things consulting. So consulting, consultant, how to become a consultant, how to build a consulting business, like anything with that, I had them ranking in like the top three results. Uh, and I was like, shoot, like if I could get them there in a year, I could totally do this for me for copywriting. Uh, so I need to like, I, just, I need to finally do that. And something that had kind of been on the back burner, I think most people these days, you know, from the beginning of them getting into this online field, the idea of selling info products is one of the more appealing options they want to work toward at some point. And I was no exception to that. I've been aware of that for a while. Uh, but for me, I was very much waiting until I had a really clear plan of how I could offer something better than what was currently in the space. Because I didn't just want to, you know, offer some, some other thing that's not solving any unique problems. You know, at the end of the day, if someone else was doing it better than I could do it, I'd rather affiliate for them than you know, try to make something not as good. So I'd been, you know, I'd been experimenting on the side. I tried, I tried at one point doing direct like one-to-one -one mentoring with several different writers to see how that worked. I tried like a general membership group. I tried various forms of, of different types of training that were a little different than what other people were offering just to see like what's going to tangibly make the most difference. And there are just downsides to all of it. The mentoring one, one of the big issues was when we're talking about the first year of growth in a, you know, as a service provider, a lot of it comes down to just like hitting the pavement on those pitches. And so there just at some point there was no value in sitting there checking in with someone other every week going, did you send your 20 pitches? No. Did you send your 20 pitches? No, you didn't. We'll do it next week. You know what I'm saying? Like, so just trying stuff like that. And, and then, so it kind of was just things kind of aligned where I felt like I had a really clear plan of what, what the needs in the market were from beginner through advanced writers and how I could solve those things via a comprehensive course and a, a paid membership group. And, and then I, I found out my second kiddo was on the way. So I was like, well, shit, I got nine months, you know, before all my time is gone. So let me just see if I can do this. And so just gave it a shot and it very much followed kind of a, the little, you know, exponential curve graph, like very low income through the first six months. And then it started ramping up. My goal was to hit 10K a month in product sales by the 12th month. And I did like 16 and then I did 25 in, so far this August. I guess we're at the end of August now. I'm starting, I'm starting Facebook ads this month as well, heading into next month to see if we can scale it higher. But who knows what's going to happen. I might just lose all the money I made doing that, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you got to set a pretty clear budget for those Facebook ads. But I mean, that's oh, you yeah. should be pretty good at it if you're a, a copywriter, right? I mean... But I guess Facebook yeah. guys are a black hole, even to copyright, even to copywriters. Well, I'll be the, I'll be the first to say like, you know, copywriting, copywriting is only in my opinion, like 15% of the result, you know, product market fit and getting in front of the right people are the bulk of the thing, you know, the bulk of the driver for sales. So, I mean, people at this stage have been getting a lot of ads for people trying to sell freelance writing training. So whether or not I can come in there and kind of uh, highlight myself within that noise remains to be seen, but you know, we're giving it a shot. Well, if anyone sure. searches the term how to make money copywriting, like me, they'll find you. So that's good. <laughs> and then it's totally. just like converting on your own site. Uh, that, yeah, exactly. that, that was another interesting idea you're sharing about how copywriting is really only 15% because I was listening to your, your episode today. I think it came out a few weeks ago. 
about how, you know, all these people are coming out here talking about, and this even applies to yourself. You didn't contextualize it. Everyone's out here bragging about their 100K launches. And really, it's just not that impressive if you already have 100,000 people on your email list and you convert 10 of them for your $1,000 product. It's like, wow, I'm so impressed. It's like, is it that yeah. you're copywriting genius or that you had, you know, if you're selling something people want and they bought it. Like, it's not genius marketing. You just happen to put the right thing in front of the right people. Exactly. And, and listen, I'll be, I'll be the first one to say if you, if you write a 100K launch, leverage that shit, you know, brag about it all you want. Like, you know, use every scrap to push your own brand. But for everyone else who's looking at that going, oh, how can I get the skills to emulate that? You know, I'll never reach that level. It's really not about the writing. Like at the end of the day, if you're, if you're being clear, like you can, you can definitely sabotage a good product market fit by not being clear and not, you know, communicating that it is a good product market fit. Uh, but if you're just being clear with the offer, people either want it or they don't. And there's like maybe, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like heading into this election. Most people already know who they're going to vote for. There's a small margin of people who might be on the fence. That small margin represents what you can do with copywriting. Like it's, it's kind of, you know, it kind of comes down to that. Yeah. One of the other big topics in this podcast that I like to really get into because, you know, I'm interested in real estate is real estate. And one of the things that you sent to us kind of in like your little bullet points about, you know, what makes you, you are that you, you passed up a big real estate investment to buy a, a recipe blog. Could you tell us a little bit about that yeah, yeah. And, and why you so, decided to forego the real estate investment? So first of all, it was not a big real estate investment. It was just a real estate investment. <laughs> I was an expensive recipe blog, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at like, like a home in, I don't even remember the town in Oklahoma that was like, I think like, it was like six, a 60 grand home that brought in like 550 a month in rent. And sure. I was like, you know, so I was looking at that and I was like, yeah, I could buy that and just kind of, you know hold the equity value, keep some rental payments, you know, the typical mm -hmm. why you do a real estate investment. Uh, and at the same time, I was looking on, I'd kind of been keeping my eyes open on some of the sites where they sell blogs. The one I ended up purchasing, purchasing off of was Empire Flippers. And so I kind of just been looking, you know, I, I, I put my deposit in so I could see the behind the scenes stats. I was just looking for something that I thought would be a good fit for me. And then I see this recipe blog, which was not otherwise a good fit for me, but it had been making like 1,500 to 2,000 a month in ad revenue for three years straight with almost no additional content, just on autopilot for that same 60 grand price. So I was looking at that and I was like, I could get in there and potentially scale that up to double that, probably pretty easy if I put some, some work into it. And if not, I'm making three times the rent payment, you know, for no work essentially. And so I was like, well, shoot, like I, I'm going to take the three, the three by revenue, you know, revenue thing. So I, so I bought that and it's, I literally haven't touched it since I bought it. And it's just been knocking out 15 to 2000 ad revenue every single month on autopilot. So it's just like, and I'm, I'm in talks with someone to merge it with their more social media focused food brand. And like literally the moment we conclude the merger, we're probably going to be having eight to 10 K per month in sponsorships coming through because most of the people who want to do sponsorship sponsorships with her are looking for a big blog draw as well for a lot of, you know, organic traffic, which the blog I bought is bringing in, you know, over a hundred thousand visitors a month. So it's just like when we combine those two things, it'll be a big revenue jump. 
but yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like the, the real estate just had literally no upside past, you know, the $500 mm-hmm. a month. So I was like, shoot, like, you know, if, if I'm gonna, you know, at that point, it's like, I'm, I'm still under 30 years old, you know, might as well take some risks here. <laughs> so. Sounds like the blog had a really good cap rate to me. That's, that's a pretty big return for not yeah, having and, to do anything for sure. Totally. And, and blogs in general, they're just much more volatile you know, which is why they're a little bit riskier. But to me, the blog had such an extensive history that it was just like, I felt like it was as close as you could get to more of that real estate income profile that was unlikely to crash, you know, because typically, you know, nine out of 10 blogs, you don't touch them for three years and they're, they're done. Like they're literally worthless, you know? So, so just kind of one of those unique things I hopped on and, you know, I'm, I'm still about two years, two years out from, from breaking even on that investment. So anything could happen. It could still blow up in my face, but so far it's, you know, so far so good. Uh, Speaking of blogs, you have a lot of free content on your website, which is what led me ultimately to spend so much time on it before purchasing anything or anything like that. Why, what's the strategy behind so much free content up front? Cause I mean, it's like you gave the whole lesson for one of the modules of your courses, like longer than the scroll bar, like shrunk because I did like, I have, I'm going to have to set like set time aside to read that because it's so much content. Yeah. It like, looks good, but what's the, uh, what's the reasoning there? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is that most of the, most of the blogs that I've read and most of the people who I've purchased from over the years, cause as I've spent over $30,000 on courses, coaching and consulting, you know, over the last eight years. And, you know, most of the people I bought from did the same thing. You know, they gave me a lot of really good value up front, up front for free to where it was like, okay, I'm, I want to go deeper on this specific objective that they're helping with. So it made sense to, you know, to pay them for the more in-depth and more streamlined take on it. Because at the end of the day, blog posts and education are not aligned in their goals. You know, I don't, when I create a blog post, like my, you know, complete guide to website copywriting, that's 10,000 words, probably the longest one on there. My goal for that blog post is not to give a freelance writer the most succinct, you know, education that they can have on how to provide website copy as a service. My goal is to provide the best possible answer to the query of website copywriting on Google. You know, so I'm looking for any, per, any person who is typing that in Google, I want to provide an answer that incorporates what they're looking for so I can rank and be the number one result for that, which I am. And so that's my goal there. You know, and when we talk about even the website copywriting lesson in my course, it's actually less content because a lot of that content is counterproductive to someone who's trying to learn. And that's kind of a big issue too these days when we talk about online education a lot of the people who make courses, you know, they, they don't really have a clear understanding of trying to get someone from A to B. They're more just trying to sell a course, you know? And so what they do is they take some core content and then they just try to throw every possible thing they can think of into the mix and provide this really large horizontal view that is impressive to read. When you look at it, you think, oh wow, I'm getting so much value thank you, you're great, I'm not going to ask for a refund, you know, when in reality, 75% of that stuff is often working against you. And that's super true in, in the freelance writing kind of space. A lot of the advice that's given to freelancers is designed to 
either tell them what they want or make the person giving it look impressive, even while it's actively sabotaging their career. For example, like, you know, charge what you're worth, you know, increase your rates, don't take on shitty clients. That's directly against the advice I said at the beginning of this show where I'm talking about, I want you taking as much work as you can through that first year, anyone who will flash you a 20, because I, every single day I have people emailing me who are in their third and fourth year of copywriting and have been following all these other gurus and they're in this feast, you know, this stereotypical feast and famine cycle because they haven't been increasing the demand for their work. They haven't been increasing their experience. They're working on like, you know, one gig every two months. That's a high paying gig, but they're making less than people charging way less and working on way more projects. And so those people are kind of going to go like this while the people who are following my advice are going like this, you know, and, and it takes maybe a year or two for them to uh, break even with the people who are going like this. But from there, it's all gravy from there while those other people are going to cycle for the next five years. And that's kind of what I do, you know, in my, in my blog content, in my SEO driven content, the goal is to, is very simply to provide value while grabbing these rankings. Uh, and so if it's a, if it's a piece of content, you know, if it's a, a topic that's not going to give me SEO value, I'm probably not going to spend a lot of time going into it. And so there's a lot of stuff like that that's in the course. That's the really helpful stuff, but it's like, you know, so that's kind of the, those are kind of the, the, the interplays there. I, you know, I want to rank for as much stuff as I can. And at the end of the, the day too, I'm not really worried about, I'm not really worried about overgiving content to people because one, I don't need everyone who comes to my site, even everyone who benefits from my brand to pay me, you know, like if, if there's hundreds of people coming through and changing their lives off of my free content without me making a dollar, I'm great with that. You know, that's fine. I'm still going to make enough money from the people who do want to pay and who do want the more direct guidance to pay my bills. And I'm not like, I'm not over here trying to milk every dollar I can get. You know, I'm just trying to create good shit and, you know, make some money. So I love that answer. And I think I left a note to Kyle. Just I was fascinated by the whole explanation there. Just on our little work, word doc where we worked through the questions. I was like, this guy knows his stuff. I love it. It's, I really like the level of detail and the thought process behind all the decisions along the way and the strategy as well as uh, the ethics. But you obviously really know what you're doing. But I think something that's really interesting that you mentioned earlier is that you've assembled your own group of other high performing writers. You've kind of divided your following or the people learning from you into people who are at the beginner phase and then a kind of more active discussion committee with some other people that are also high performing. What are some things you've learned from assembling that group and learning from other people doing well? Yeah. So one of the big reasons I chose to build the group that way is because I had a sort of a low key student, someone who was connected to my brand who I'd spoken with and given some advice to, and it was kind of just loosely following my brand. Uh, they scaled their business up to 15K per month using mostly LinkedIn as their driver. LinkedIn was completely off my radar. So when I started seeing what they were doing through LinkedIn, it kind of started me on this journey of realizing, hey, there's multiple ways to do this. And SEO, which is kind of the way that I built my business, is not the right fit for everyone. Uh, and so if I want to help more people, I need to find as many different methods that are working as I can and present all those options to people. So people aren't sitting there, you know, so people who are kind of going to have more of a, a square path, aren't trying to force themselves into this, you know, circular hole that I'm creating for them. And so that was kind of the idea with right minds. 
LinkedIn, I, you know, like that's that one. I, I don't just, I don't just pass it on to my students. I follow through on it as well. So I've been more active on LinkedIn and it's yielded a lot of benefits for my business, both in terms of building right minds, bringing in students, connecting with other writers, you know, forming friendships with people, tons of upside from that. That's a big one. And then, you know, also it's just kind of the other, the other idea behind the group was that once you've kind of developed the basics, once you kind of know how the career works and you're following through on the fundamentals, your growth tends to be more about kind of getting just like that one relevant piece of advice here and there over the years. You know, it's the, it's not the big like presentation. It's like the little bit of advice here. It's that one thing you learned from that one training here. You know, like when I, I doubled my income at one point within a 30 day period from this one comment in a course I took where they were talking about how to package your, you know, your high ticket writing consulting services. And I just followed through on basically going from more of an a la carte view to a packaged view. And that literally like doubled my income in 30 days. You know, so just like small stuff like that can just have drastic impacts, especially once you're further along. You know, when, you, when you're in the beginning, small stuff doesn't really change anything. It's more about finding that flywheel system that, to, you know, that you can grow with. But, you know, the further you get, the more really small stuff can have a huge impact. And so Right Minds is just kind of about making a place where everyone can be getting those small little pieces of advice. And so, you know, sometimes, sometimes you like get the, you know, like the thing with LinkedIn saying, hey, this is a viable leads channel. I'm going to pursue this. You know, it's real specific like that. Other times it's like a little thing with like the way you do an onboarding, you know, the way you're doing your freelance onboarding. You see, I see that a certain person in the group is doing it one way. I try that out. And then like a few months later, I realize, oh, wow, my sales rate just went up by like, you know, 20%, something like that. So kind of just stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say that you make it sound easy, but I, I don't love to write. I don't, I don't consider myself great at it. Lewis, I think is, and, and he's, you know, on that path. And that's why he found you and, and why we're talking to you. But right now it's looking like a pretty good career path. So, so why do people fail at, what you do? Why do people get into it and then not uh, uh, meet this endless demand that's created? The number one reason people fail is because they don't embrace that they're their own sales department. That's that's the number one thing. Like literally every single business is two parts, sales and fulfillment. When you're a writer, if you're a decent writer, the fulfillment comes pretty easy, but you still have to hit that sales one. You know, I see, I'm on Twitter all the time where I see people complaining about someone in their group who like closed a deal and is then asking the group for help with how they can fulfill the thing they just sold. And I'm like, well, no shit. Sales is a whole different skill from actually being deliver, able to deliver whatever you sold. And so that's kind of the big thing is that a lot of writers come in, they want to be good writers. They don't want to sell, you know, they don't want to sell themselves. They don't want to do the prospecting to get the people to sell to in the first place. They're not willing to be consistent with their, you know, with their, their pitches with getting out, putting themselves in front of people who might need work. At the end of the day, doing this is not hard, but it's the same way with like losing weight. Losing weight's not hard. You eat on like, you know, a small deficit every single day. It's the every single day part that's hard. You know, it's not the any individual day. Sending out 20 pitches is not hard. Sending out 20 pitches every week is hard because, hum you know, as humans, we are not wired to be consistent. So that's really the, the big thing is just, Lots of things that can come up to kind of derail your consistency. 
Some people fight through it. Some people don't. Uh, a lot of times, you know, going back to that whole information, you know, having too much information, how it can be counterproductive. A lot of people, they'll listen to me, give my spiel about, you know, getting your 20 pitches out per week. They'll nod along, you know, they'll go do it. They'll go do it for a week or two. Uh, maybe they don't land any clients right off the bat. And then, then at a certain point, it's like, okay, I and now I hear about this new marketing tactic from this guru I follow, or someone talks about how they landed this client. I'm going to stop pitching now and go try that because that's new and exciting. And then you, you know, like there's enough info out there. There's enough tactics out there. You can do that unsuccessfully through a hundred tactics, you know? You can spend the next two years going through a new tactic every single week with no results. And that's just, it's just kind of like this, there's always a carrot that's ready to distract you from the fundamentals. And it's just very difficult, you know, for, for most people, really everyone, I think, to, you know, ignore the carrots and be consistent on the fundamentals and just embrace, embrace the, you know, the hard part of growth. And so I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what, you know, limits people. And then there's also just the luck factor of take two people who are, you know, equally inconsistent. One of them lands a client in that two week period, just they get lucky on the statistics. They're going to be a lot more motivated to hit that third week than the person who doesn't, you know? So it's kind of a combination of these factors. Some, and some people kind of the cards roll in their favor, others don't. But I, you know, I've seen people make every single mistake have everything go against them and they still just like brute force their way through to making it work, you know? So that's where it's like, like if you're persistent enough, you can make this work almost without exception. That reminds me of uh, that last episode we put out was with this kid who did really well wholesaling real estate, which is another really popular thing people are trying to get into right now. Cause it's like, you yep. don't need to be a licensed agent. You know, there's not all these gatekeepers just go out and do it. And he my biggest on- client right now, does training on wholesaling. So (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty funny. Uh, Then maybe I shouldn't give this next piece of advice, but this kid goes, you know, all these people reach out to me on Instagram and the DMS because they hear about all this money I made wholesaling. My answer is I'm not going to answer any of your questions until you go knock on a hundred doors. So it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, if you're willing to go out and make 20 sales pitches a week and then every single week, things are going to figure you're going to, things are going to work themselves out mastery of the fundamentals, which is super consistent with, lot of the other guests we've had on here maybe maybe there's a pattern there maybe every guest that we've ever had maybe every single one actually uh same idea maybe packaged in a different way but yeah yeah there there's there's people who are willing to tell you that you know consistency will get you where you're trying to go and there's people who are lying to you it's really that simple (laughs) you know i like that a lot yeah okay exactly uh i think we're gonna transition out to uh the bonus rounds just not really as following of a, a flow Sure. Uh, but just some fun questions to see what you think about some different things. So when you think of the word successful, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? You know, probably Elon Musk, just because I, I just like, regardless of anything else, I have so much fucking respect for that guy, like making, what was it like 190, 190 million off of his PayPal sale. Like the dude could have just bought an island, been making, you know, a couple million a year on interest alone. And he like, he put all of it on the line for two businesses that have a chance of single-handedly making us a multi-planetary species. And he was successful on both of them. Like, God damn, man. He was like, sleeping on couches. He didn't have money for rent and he made $180 yeah, like, million. Dollars. 
like the the absolute audacity to go do that is just mind blowing, uh, and I respect the hell out of it. Uh, you know, and then you also kind of the tag team up. He's ludicrously wealthy now through doing that, and he's accomplishing something that is meaningful for you know humanity potentially if we do survive as a species. Looking back, it'll almost well, it, this will almost be the bottleneck where he like single handedly pushed us over the gap you know, potentially, which that's just like, like, for someone to like have that big of a role in the course of history is, is mind blowing as well, you know. Yeah, so. Lewis and I often like to talk about influencers and, and stuff. And we're like, yeah, but are they really going to be in the history books? Like Elon Musk is for sure going to be in the history books one way yeah. or another. The thing I like to rag on in my space, completely hypocritically is, you know, the, the software as a service businesses, you know, you got these like, you got the best and the brightest out here wasting their lives on like a single use tool that's capturing several billion in market share that nobody needs. If it was gone tomorrow, the second best tool in line would be virtually just as good. You know, like it's just the, there's these huge industries right now that are like money printing machines, but don't actually accomplish anything. And even the products they have, in my opinion, like might as well not exist. And, you know, I'm right there you know, doing the copywriting for him. It's so, like I said, completely hypocritical. Uh, but I, I often think about that, like, you know, how much of the most lucrative opportunities today are completely misaligned with stuff that actually, you know, means anything, you know, in the long term. Yeah. I got really philosophical for a second. I'm going to ask a lighter question. Uh, I think Kyle and I were going for the same question there. Actually, I could, I, I could feel it. But, uh, I was drinking a really janky uh, decaf coffee with chocolate powder in it uh, during the first 20 minutes or so of this call. But how, what's your preferred way to make your coffee? So I, a friend got me into home espresso brewing like a year and a half ago. And that's, yeah, I've, I've basically been drinking L'Espresso two to three times a day ever since. <laughs> so I got, like, I, I think it's like a, like a $3,000 setup between the machine and the grinder. Because the grinders are kind of expensive. Uh, the good ones and then you know yes i just i i make my my own espresso at home every day and it's it's fun when you're hosting to be able to give people like you know uh barista quality coffee like at your own house it's kind of fun so okay next question here what tips can you share for drawing emotions out of people through your writing the first and the, the first and most important thing is understanding you know what they care about and framing what you're saying in that context and honestly, that's probably one of the biggest reasons that business owners struggle so much to write copy is because they care so much about their business and their offer, their technique, you know, all the things that they've had to invest in to bring this product to the table. And they, it is impossible for them to step, step outside of that and not just talk about what they want to talk about relative to the customer. Whereas the customer a lot of times doesn't really, you know, doesn't give a shit about how it's made. They just want to know what it can do for them. And so, you know, when you're writing copy, you want to be focused on, you know, what are they wanting to accomplish with this thing that you're offering and, you know, and how can you, how can you frame it in those terms? Uh, the other thing is, you know, giving, giving a story of a personal story or a client story, kind of talking about a scenario that people can relate to, you know, like one thing, one thing I like to talk about sometimes is like, you know, th there were times before I really got into copywriting where, you know, I was checking my bank account before 
buying dinner. You know, like if I wanted to add a drink, I need to like pull up my bank account to see if I could afford to get a drink. And that's a very relatable scenario to a lot of, you know, a lot of people uh, who I'm speaking to about getting into copywriting. So I'm, I'm presenting a story that they can relate to and then transitioning it into, you know, an outcome that they want that they can't relate to. And so kind of, kind of juxtaposing some things people can relate to, to something people want to relate to. And also just, you know, creating, you know, just creating vision for how things can be what they want them to be. And, and also to communicating things to people that they can agree with and get behind is kind of this mantra of like, you want people nodding along two or three times within your first few sentences. You know, like if you can get people nodding along and engaged in what you're saying, it's like, you know, it, it kind of gets them to buy in better, just stuff like that. It's, it's less about, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's less about the technique and more about are you, are you presenting something that they actually want? Yeah, well, uh, that gives me a question here because you've done a lot of that, maybe accidentally, maybe just the way you talk uh, in this conversation, just sharing <laughs> copywriting as a career in such a inspiring kind of way where I'm sure people that have listened to up until this point are like, wow, that does seem possible. That does seem interesting for me. Uh, I could probably do that. Uh, So who would you advise that for? And who would you advise against kind of taking that path? The copywriting path? Yeah. Freelance copywriting. Who are like, what's a good situation where it makes sense to think about that seriously versus another situation where it's really, you should probably stick to other stuff. So I would say just the baseline of how comfortable are you writing? You know, like if you had an idea you wanted to communicate someone to someone, but you couldn't speak it, and you needed to write it down, like, would you feel like you're leaving a lot of your communication on the table by not being able to verbally say it? Or would you actually feel like you can do a better job of communicating it when you write? For a lot of people, that's a really easy question. You know, like, it's just really easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable writing or no, I'm not. That's like the first baseline. If you're in the yes, I'm comfortable with it, then I would say it, it just comes down to what your goals are. You know, if you're looking, because there's almost, there's virtually no downside to learning copywriting as a skill because it translates into almost anything else you want to do. And when you're first getting started, it's probably one of the quickest ways to make capital right up front, you know, and get that initial cash flow, which again is valuable to anything else you want to do. It's kind of the reason, it's the reason I, be, I, I chose accounting as my major. I was like, what's a major that would be virtually impossible to regret having, you know, like, accounting. It's going to go into almost anything I want to do. It, copywriting is kind of the same story. It's like literally anything you want to do, it's going to, it's going to be an asset to you. So if you, know, if you have something specific that you know you're passionate about doing that's not copywriting, you know, go take, you know, especially if you're young and you don't have a lot of bills to pay, go take a chance on, on the, the higher risk thing that you want to do. You know? But if you're in a scenario where you really need, you need, you need results on the sooner side, or you just don't know what you want to do and you're, you're looking for something to invest your time into that's going to have no downside and you're never going to regret doing, then copywriting is a great fit for you. Man. You know, so. <laughs> you're so good at selling it. I love it. Um, so, so what are your five-year goals? What's next for you? You know, you're, you're the number one spot on, on copywriting. Like what else, what else can you go after? To be honest, that's that's a tough question just because I'm I'm kind of in like the fifth year of my previous five year goals. So I'm kind of still developing what you know what that next I just I just turned 30. I just had my second kid, so it's kind of this new phase of life. 
that I'm still trying to figure out what's, you know, what's next. I will say right now, you know, I'm, I'm looking to sink like 20K a month plus in ad spend to see if I can scale things up into more, maybe closer to that seven figure level. That was never something I had wanted to do originally. My goal, my goal was always make 150K a year. Then once I hit that, I was like, okay, how can I make 150K a year working less, you know, or setting up something that's more recurring. But I don't know, yeah, my one, kind of once I hit the back end of this last five years, it was like, well, you know, I got a good amount in savings to where I can pretty much fuck up a bunch over the next five years and still be, still be good to go into retirement. So might as well roll the dice, take a shot at scaling up to a new level that I'm not familiar with and see if I can make an even bigger impact. And if I don't, I don't. And so that's, that's kind of probably, probably that's the goal for the next five years. See if I can take a business up to more of that seven figure level. Uh, and, you know, probably if you talk to me 12 months from now, I'll have a whole different view of that depending on how these Facebook ads go, but we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see. check back in then. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I, uh, I'm really glad you came on here with us. This was super valuable to me personally, just to be able to ask you these questions one-on-one, -on -one, think about it and be able to follow my curiosities with you. And I'm sure everyone else got a lot out of it too, because I just, you explain things so clearly and that's kind of what you're expressing is an important skill in copywriting is concise communication and clarity. So I, Really enjoyed this conversation a lot and want to thank you for coming on. Where where can people go if they want to get some more resources on this? What's the start here button for uh, your brand? Yeah, so I mean, you can go to my website, which is jacobmcmillan.com, or you can just Google copywriter. <laughs> first result, you know, hit them with the flex. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, that's pretty much where it starts. I got my, my free crash course, which is a pretty in-depth you know, over value, over deliver, as we talked about early, earlier. So you can start there. And then also, you know, if you prefer to just kind of uh, get 10 minute audio clips, obviously I have the, the Right Bites podcast that you can sign up for as well. I'm starting to try to do some more videos, but who knows, who knows if we'll actually stay consistent with that. But yeah, yeah, that's about it. I appreciate you guys having me. It's fun, it's fun chatting. Totally. Well, I think you're the first guest we've had who's call to action is to search a one word phrase on Google with the promise that you'll find him. So that's, that's pretty good. Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good party trick. <laughs> wow. Talk about somebody who knows how to persuasively speak. I, I mean, right now I want to take the money out of my pocket and put it in his pocket. Like uh, talk about a copy talker. You know what I mean, Lewis? That's uh, I don't know if that's going to catch on copy talker. Uh, but he is a persuasive speaker and he does a very good job making you think copywriting is both attractive, doable, lucrative, and maybe it is. Uh, we'll see. But I enjoyed that conversation. I found it really rewarding. It's so cool to be lost in an internet search, find someone interesting, reach out to them and be able to have a conversation and learn more about them and be able to ask them some questions and share that with whoever's listening. Uh, so if you are listening, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. If you want to keep up with us, Best way for you to do so, follow us on social media at Lewis Kyle Show or something similar on most major platforms. And if you want to help us out, you can do so by either sharing this interview or another one with a friend or going on iTunes and leaving a rating and or review to help grow the show and let other people know that it's good or bad or whatever you think of it. Anyway, that wraps up this week's conversation. We'll see you in a week with the next one. Thanks for listening. See ya.